0: Coming back from Washington, D.C., he went last night uh, and he had a meeting there with uh, Christians United for Israel. Today, he went and visited with our two senators and uh, he did not get to meet with them because they are in uh, hearings of confirmation right now for uh, the cabinet and things that uh, President Trump will be asking them to approve. And so, but he did talk with uh, both offices with their aides. And uh, we are blessed in the state of Indiana because our senators, our congressmen, are pro-Israel. They are very, uh, very pro-Israel. And uh, so they're going to stand for the things that would protect Israel to the best of their ability. So we're grateful for that. We have a new young senator. And um, Bill just shared with me. Now, of course, Pastor Bill, you know he's a Marine. I say is, even though he's not in the military Once a Marine, always a Marine. That's what he told me. So he is a Marine. But uh, Todd Young, who is our newest senator, uh, took Senator Coates' place. Uh, He is a Marine. And so Bill was really looking forward to meeting him. But um, he he said he got information while he was there. Most senators are worth a lot of money. I mean, they have a lot of money behind them. And uh, it showed their net worth of all the senators that are there. And his net worth was $68,000. And he's a senator. Uh, you know, he doesn't have a lot of money. I don't know exactly how he got there. But uh, $68,000 in today's world for your net worth is, is not a whole lot. But uh, we need to be praying for those that are representing us there. Because uh, inside that beltway is not an easy place to stand for righteousness and godly principles and we have some godly men that are in there and we're grateful for that that they're going to stand up not just for us but they're going to stand up for the truth of the word of god and uh, that's very important for the day we're living in we're going to pray and uh, believe god has a word for you tonight everybody say maintain an eternal perspective amen father we thank you tonight for your word we thank you that we don't see what the world sees we see what you see We don't say what the world says. We say what you say. And by making those choices and making those decisions, we position ourselves for the things that you've already prepared for us. We thank you that 2017 is going to be our best days. They're straight ahead of us in this year. And that we are going to go from glory to glory in this church. The people of this church are going from glory to glory. And we will be increased in the year 2017. By the grace and power of God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Um, I'm going to ask for the next few weeks, I'm going to be sharing a series starting Sunday. And uh, we're going to change our confession that we make. Uh, I believe what you did tonight, David, is very important for people in the body of Christ. We can read the word, but do you know it's the hearing of the word. Faith comes by hearing the word, and when you hear the word, it's different than when you read the word. Uh, Sometimes I read the Bible out loud to myself because I don't know about you, but we can be reading and then get distracted. Have you ever read something and then think, what did I read? Uh, But when you are talking and saying it and reading it at the same time, it does wash over us and it does, it brings a change because the word changes us. It has power to change us. And so I believe that when we maintain an eternal perspective, rather than a temporary perspective, we can actually function at a higher level in the kingdom of God because what we're doing is we're getting an agreement with God for things that we have not seen yet but believe that we will see. And I don't know about you, there's things in 2016 that I did not see that I was believing God for, but because the calendar changed date, I did not change what I believe. Uh, Because I didn't see them, I don't change what I believe. I believe what I believe because I believe the word of God. And so for each one of us, as we get determined in our lives to continue to maintain that eternal perspective, the perspective that God has for us, for our families, for this church, uh, for the children in the Sudan that are in a refugee camp right now. But they are going to be the most blessed people in that refugee camp possible because they belong to God and that's what we declare over them that they will have their needs met in a refugee camp now that doesn't in the natural appeal to most of us none of us would want to be hauled off tonight to a refugee camp but in the midst of whatever we find ourselves we have to believe that we will be victorious because the word says that we are victorious because of Jesus so as I was looking at this scripture um, actually I had a visual of this today um, how many of you realize last night was a pretty windy night? In fact, um, Morgan back there, her one of her automobiles, uh, a tree decided to fall on her automobile. And, um, and so and another one fell on her fence, and, and she said, we decided the living room, we just all stay in the living room. <laughs> 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 believe that nothing was going to come through the living room. But uh, I didn't think about any of my trees. But when I went home this afternoon to let my dog out, I opened the back door, and the dog went out, and then just stopped. And the fence that's behind my house was down. Now I know that Wreath Riley is behind that fence. How many of you know who Wreath Riley? That's those red trucks that were on Fifty Two for an eternity. Uh, you know they they do uh, they do all of the concrete and the tar, and uh, at four a.m. they grind up whatever it is that does that. And it smells, and I can smell it from my house, oftentimes if the wind's the right direction. So I know behind that fence is not what it looks like when I look at the fence. But that's okay. I just look at the fence. I don't imagine what's behind it. Now I don't have to imagine. I have seen what's behind it. And I'm going to go put the fence back up because I like what I see when I look at the fence much more than what I have seen now is behind the fence, but it's there. Everybody say it's there. It's there. You know, it's just that the fence is a much better view for me than looking at what's behind it. And this message tonight, when we look at things and we see things, we have a choice to say what we're going to see. Uh, you know, I, right now when I look out there, um, I really don't have a choice in what I see in the natural, but I'm believing they're going to put up a new fence. So it's going to be better than it was before. Uh, We've needed a new fence, and now they'll have to do something in that homeowners association. So there's going to be a new fence, and it's going to be a lot better than it was before. It won't change what's behind it, but it will change the way my backyard looks. Amen? And every one of us in in the kingdom of God, every day we have a choice in what we see. We can see, you know, the things that are there because the fence is down or we can put up that fence of the eternal. We can say, I only see what God sees. I don't see uh, sickness and disease in my house. I don't see my children doing the things that I see what God says about my children. I see what God says about my household. Uh, My choice is to envision what God's vision is and not mine. And so sometimes you have to envision it by the spirit and not by the flesh. And it says in 2 Corinthians, if you would put that scripture up for me, Morgan, and I'm going to read it in a couple other translations, but it says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Then it goes on and it tells us our light affliction which it doesn't always seem like a light affliction, but compared to eternity, it's a light affliction, which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And this is the part I want you to remember. While we do not look, everybody say, do not look. Do not look at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. And and what that means is the things that God in his word puts before us, those are eternal truths. They will not be changed by the generation that we're in, uh, by the year that we were born, uh, by who's the president of the United States, who's in the Senate, who's in the Congress. God's word isn't a, a variable. It's established. And the word is established. So, it's eternal. It's not ever going to be changed. It says in uh, Malachi, I think it's chapter 2, God says, I do not change. Uh, how many of you wanted God to change his mind about some things? How many of you have learned that he doesn't change? I mean, God, the, what God says is true. So, But we have the choice at what we look at. And he says, we do not look. Now, this is Paul speaking. We do not look. So we have a choice. Everybody say, I have a choice. And, and you can tell what people oftentimes are looking at by looking at their demeanor, looking at their countenance. Uh, I, I know that's true in our house with me. You know, Pastor Bill used to say, you know, don't get on those scales, there's a demon in there. I know it because after you get on the scales, your whole countenance changes. <laughs> How many of you have things like that and you're, you know, you just, that's not something we want to look at. And uh, so when we look at those things, Uh, that discourage us things that come against us in our belief system, then we're putting ourselves in a position to never fulfill the purpose and the destiny that God has for us. Because whatever God is speaking over your life, it looks impossible right now for you to do. You'll overcome, and then the next thing God shows you will look impossible for you to do. But by the eye of faith, by seeing what God sees, by seeing the invisible, Things that are not visible to our natural eye, but are visible to God, those invisible things, those invisible things come to pass by us believing. So I, I want to look at Colossians uh, three. Well, wait a minute. I want to read to you out of. I'm going to try this. I'm trying to be techie because I didn't have Morgan do this for me. Uh, this is the. Uh, let me find this. Oh, I did it. Okay, this is the Message Bible. So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us, like my fence, On the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today gone tomorrow but the things we can't see now will last forever isn't that good that's the message bible so you know there's different ways to put things that uh you know kind of help us understand what we're seeing this is the new living that is why we never give up though our bodies are dying our spirits are being renewed every day for our present troubles are small and won't last very long some of you say well very long is a A lot longer than I thought it would be. How, How many of you would agree to that? Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles. Everybody say, don't look. We can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Amen. And so it's a decision. It's a choice that we make. The same as we choose Jesus, you know, everybody has that choice. God does not send people to hell. People make a decision. And when they make a decision, they can receive heaven or they can choose to not receive heaven. It's a choice. Everybody say it's a choice. Um, I was looking uh, at this scripture in Colossians. It's one I've li- uh, I've always liked it. Everybody say, set your mind. You know, we all we all have a mind that likes to do what it wants to do. But when we set our mind, it says in uh, Colossians three one, if you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father. Now, it says in Ephesians chapter 2 that we are seated in heavenly places with him. So if we're in that same place, then we need to set our mind on the things that are above and not on the things of the earth. Uh, I've lived a long enough time now to know that Things change. uh You know, I, I could not believe when I had children, you know, there were a set of rules that you followed. And then when my children had children, all those rules were reversed. And this was the new way. And now my granddaughter's going to have a baby. Now we're going back the other direction. I'm going to be right on time this time. Because, you know, first to put them on the tummy, no, you don't put them on the tummy. Put them on the back, put them on the tummy. Put them on the back, put them on the tummy. You know, uh, supposedly in certain periods of time, both those things were the right thing to do. The, the things that are in this life, they change. There's, there's new revelation. And uh, what my mom used to say, well, the styles, they'll come back around. Things will come back around again. And over the time, I have seen that's, that's true. That's what's happening in the earth. But what happens in the heavenlies is secure. It's stable. I felt like the Lord told me that this is a year to pour concrete. And I thought, what does that mean? Well, concrete brings stability. And when you pour concrete, you pour the word of God. You put the word of God in, and it brings stability. It says that the word of God will be your wisdom, and it will bring stability, Isaiah 33, 6. So this is a time when we have to set our mind on the things above. You, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will appear with Him in glory. Um, there's a story in Second Chronicles, in its Hezekiah. How many of you know the story of Hezekiah? He was he was really attacked by the king of Assyria, and um, and he was threatened. And he was a king who decided, "I'm not going to back up uh, to what that king says. I'm going to believe what God says," and it, that's the very simple side of it. And so. He was in a position in Second Chronicles uh, where it looked like he could be defeated, but he had told the people, uh, no, don't. we will not be defeated, because what this king was doing was he was um, really insulting God. He was saying, you know, do you really believe your God can help you? Uh, how many of you have had that thought the enemy come against you with? Do you really believe God's going to do something about this? I mean, do you really believe God is going to fix this? Uh, especially when you've waited a long time. But Hezekiah had a remark that he made to his people. First of all, he told them, don't talk. I think that was because he didn't want to say the wrong thing. How many of you know sometimes it's better just not to say anything than to say what you see? And so he had told the people, don't talk. But it says this. It's in chapter 32. After these deeds of faithfulness, Shennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered Judah. And he came and camped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them over to himself. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and that his purpose was to make war against Jerusalem, he consulted with his leaders and commanders to stop the water from the springs which were outside the city, and they helped him. Thus many people gathered together who stopped all the springs and the brook that ran through the land, saying, Why should the king of Assyria come And find much water. And he strengthened himself, built up the wall that was broken, raised it up to the towers, and built another wall outside. Also, he repaired the Milo in the city of David, and made weapons and shields in abundance. Then he set military captains over the people, gathered them together to him in the open square of the city gate, and gave them encouragement, saying, Be strong and courageous, do not be afraid nor dismayed before the king of Assyria, nor before all the multitude that is with him. For there are more with us than with him. Turn to your neighbor say, there's more with us. Yeah, there's more with us than what the enemy could ever muster against us. With him is an arm of the flesh. Everybody say flesh. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and fight our battles, and the people were strengthened by the word, words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. You know, in many situations, what we say is going to influence the people that are around us. Uh, I learned that when I was a single mom. You know, the Lord began to speak to me, and he began to tell me that um, my children would be as stable as I was. Well, I thought we are in serious trouble because I am not stable. <laughs> we have a big job here. He didn't say that my children would be stable if I got married. He didn't say my children would be stable if I counted on my parents or someone else to help me. He said your children will be as stable as you are. And so all of the, all of the um, responsibility became mine. Now, you know, people don't necessarily like responsibility. How, how many of you realize in today's society People don't really want to be responsible for what's happening. But God made it very clear to me, if you will make your life stable, they will be stable. What what we speak, uh, the choices that we make as to what we see really influence those that are in that sphere that God has placed around us of people that are listening to what we say. Uh, in the body of Christ, I even had to check myself when I, when I visit Tulsa uh, and get around the people that I ran with in Tulsa. Um, it's a different mindset there because you're running with leaders that are all speaking the same thing. And so you catch yourself saying things that you wouldn't say in a, in a normal setting. Why? Because you're running with people that are living at that level. Everybody say living at that level. They're maintaining an eternal perspective. I remember Pastor Billy Joe. You've heard my husband say how he would come by us and uh, and he would say, Pam, what's God been saying to you? If I saw him coming, I didn't know what God was saying. I was looking for a hallway that I could go down because <laughs> I knew that was going to be his question. And he expected me to know what God was saying to me because I worked there. And so he expected me to live with an eternal perspective because we were all working together and we all had to be in unity, so we all had to say and see what God was doing, not what we could do, but what God could do. And we saw miracles there, I believe, because we had an eternal perspective. We did not have a perspective of what we could do. We had a perspective, not what Billy Joe could do, but what we all were in agreement that God could do. Everybody say eternal perspective. And uh, I remember when I first went to work there, uh, I didn't realize that we didn't say problem. We did not have problems. We had opportunities to see God intervene on our behalf. We did not have a problem. And, uh, you know, you find yourself almost choking because you start to say, we have a <laughs> opportunity over here. <laughs> Uh, it looks like a, but it isn't. It's not that. It's an opportunity for God or for us to hear from God and do what God's telling us to do in this situation that will make it an opportunity and not a problem. Because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. That God has an answer for everything that we see. Well, when you maintain that kind of eternal perspective all the time, then. Pretty soon after you're seasoned in it, you just see it that way. You don't see the negative. You see the positive. And what it does, it opens your mind to hear what God's saying, that there's always a solution with God. Say this, all things are possible. With God. With God, all things are possible. So there's always a solution to everything that we see in this life. Uh, in second Kings six, uh, Elisha was facing an army and, uh, and it looked like defeat. And I give you these two examples because I think there are times in the body of Christ, believers face situations that look like we're going to be defeated. And, uh, and we have a choice at that moment to determine what we see. And we go to the word of God and we see what God says. We don't see what, what's facing us. And, um, It was, uh, this was a situation again with the king of Syria was making war against Israel. He consulted with his servants saying, my camp will be in such and such a place. I love this story because I believe God can do this. The man of God sent to the king of Israel saying, beware that you do not pass this place for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? In other words, we have an informer here. We have a traitor in our midst that's telling the king of Israel what we're doing. But it wasn't anybody in his group. It was the prophet who was telling the king of Israel because God was revealing to the prophet what was really needed to be seen. Are you getting this? So the prophet knew. And so one of his servants said, none, oh, my king, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. Uh Uh-oh. That means in, in their most... Uh, place that you would be the most confidential, the things where you would think you could most trust trusted place you have in your house, in your bedroom, even those things, this Elisha, he knows what you're saying. And he said, go and see where he is that I may send and get him. And it was told saying, surely he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots, a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, There was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, This is Elisha saying to his servant, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Amen. Whoever is against you, the God who is with you is greater than anyone who stands against you. But what do you see?" Do you see that, or do you see what appears to be the enemy greater than what you are? So he answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes, the servant, that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire. Everybody say, of fire. That would be God. All around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people, I pray, with blindness so they can't see. But he prayed that God would give his servant the ability to see. God will defend us in any situation if we do what God tells us to do because God can make it possible. So if you go back to 2 Corinthians where it says, and I like this scripture because I think it describes it just describes the way my life has been sometimes. I'm sure it describes yours. But this last three verses, therefore we do not lose heart, are preceded by um, verse 7 of Second Corinthians 4, which says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Everybody say the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the informer. <laughs> he informs us. Just like the prophet knew what God wanted to do, we know what God wants to do because of the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us. And it says, but then it goes on and says, we are hard pressed on every side. Everybody say, we are hard pressed on every side. But this is what we say, yet not crushed. What does that say? We're we're still kicking. We're still here. We're still on top. We are perplexed, but not in despair. In other words, we may not fully understand, but we're not going to be despairing about that because we know. We know who's going to show us what to do. Then it says, but not persecuted. How many, how many of you felt persecuted? Instead of saying persecuted, say, I'm not forsaken. I'm not forsaken. I may be persecuted. There may be people coming against me, but I will never be forsaken because Jesus said he will never leave me or forsake me. Uh, Struck down but not destroyed. That means I'll get back up. You know, the Bible says, though I fall, I shall arise. You know, that's the devil's greatest fear is that when he strikes you, you'll get back up. Though I fall, I shall arise. And so it goes on and says, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. In other words, we're going to be in places where the enemy's going to come against us. The Lord's prayer was, deliver us from evil. Why? Because evil is always going to be trying to attack. But God will deliver us. We're delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, everybody say same spirit of faith. According to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes that grace having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Then it goes through those verses we read earlier. Therefore, we do not lose heart. The end of it, we do not look at the things that are seen, but the things which are not seen. Then goes right on into chapter 5, which is the assurance of the resurrection. And it says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Therefore, the just shall live by faith. We do not walk by sight. We walk by faith. So what we see in the natural, we do not walk by. We walk by faith, by the things we see, by the spirit. How many of you have seen things for 2017 that look impossible to you right now, but you believe God's going to do it? You know, this is uh, of the year in in Pastor Bill's in my life Um When we came here and started this church, we had never owned any property ourselves. We've been married, it'll be 36 years this year. uh, But we had never owned a house. Uh, We ended up buying a house that Bill had owned before. And that's where we lived. Um, When that house went up for sale for a year, we lived in an apartment. And then we bought the house we're in now. This year, we will pay off our house. Thank you, Jesus. Now what God told us to do was change our loan from a 30-year loan to a 15-year loan. Now I'm telling you, that has not been easy. For 15 years to pay that payment. But we were not looking at what we saw. We were looking at what God said. And now this year we will be free. We will owe no man anything except to love him. Amen. Now that, that I, I mean, now I'm, I'm 71, so that didn't happen overnight. <laughs> Hallelujah. You don't have to be 71 for that to happen to you. But because of the things that we chose to do and because of the things God asked us to do, I don't believe that anything we've done we have not grown in to be able to do what we do today. Even though it was difficult, it's what produced in us the ability to do what we do today. It produced in us the ability to to do in this church what God asked us to do because it increased our faith because we don't live by what we see. We live by faith. Everybody say by faith. And so, you know, all of us are going from glory to glory. uh, But faith is the substance of things hoped for. But this is the part you need to remember, the evidence. Everybody say evidence. Evidence is something you can see. Faith is the evidence of those things that are hoped for, that are not seen yet, but will be seen. Amen? And so we can't get discouraged in those places. Uh, I'm reading through the Bible again this year. If anybody is reading with me and you're reading through our Bible plan, we are reading Job. I have told the Lord, we have got to get a new breeding plan. This could stop anybody from continuing. I mean, it is just one sad story after another. And, I mean, his friends were not very nice friends. I mean, all they wanted to do was try to find out why he was having so much trouble. And so they just decided to accuse him of things that he didn't didn't do. He knew he didn't do do it, so he doesn't know why it's happening. But I finally got to a good part today. Though he slay me, yet I'll serve him. I went by that page. How many have been past that one? Hallelujah. You have to get to that place where no matter what I see, I am not giving up. But in in Job um, 19, it says, well, of course, his friends have been really hounding him and saying things. And uh, he, in 19, he starts, you know, talking about how bad it is. I mean, this is what he says. Uh, He has removed my brothers far from me, and my acquaintances are completely estranged from me. My relatives have failed, and my close friends have forgotten me. Those who dwell in my house and my maidservants count me as a stranger. I'm an alien, and there's, I mean, he is rehearsing how bad it is. This gives me hope, because I've done that before with the Lord. Have you ever, none of you have done that. But, you know, you get out the laundry list and say, have you seen this? You know, because we tend to see what is around us. But uh, when he gets all done, he's, this was, it, he says, uh, "My bones cling to my skin and my flesh, and I've escaped by the skin of my teeth." How many of you have ever felt like that? <laughs> have pity on me! Have pity on me! Oh, you my friends, for the hand of God has struck me. Why do you persecute me, God? As God does, and are not satisfied with my flesh? Oh, that my words were written! Oh, that they were inscribed in a book! That they were engraved on a rock! That's why I think we should have a different thing to read at the beginning of the year, because this isn't edifying to me like what I'm looking for. But through Job, I have learned every year something new. And this is what it says, for I know, this." right after all this, he goes, for I know my Redeemer lives. You know, I mean, if you were listening to him, you go, what? I mean, you just said all of that, and now you're going to make that. I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth and after my skin is destroyed this i know that my flesh in my flesh i will see god whom i shall see for myself and my eyes shall behold and not another and how my heart yearns within me <laughs> amen so what happened well his sight changed his sight changed to what was happening to him in the flesh to who his god was and by that it changed his perspective Everybody say perspective. Your eternal your eternal perspective is what will hold you to the promises of God. Not what you see, not what you feel. Last year when I read this, I had shingles. I thought, dear God, <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have read this. <laughs> what I've read has come upon me. Not what I feared, but what I read. And it was uh, shingles are... Are just, you can't do anything. I mean, you're just a prisoner of those shingles. But I had to speak the word over myself for two months till those shingles left. I didn't stop preaching, I didn't stop singing, I didn't stop doing what I do because I see beyond those shingles. Now, I can say that this year, I had lots of pity parties at home with Pastor Bill. <laughs> These hurt. They sting, they itch, they burn. Are they gone yet? And, of course, Pastor Bill, no, honey, there's a, there's a clump right here, and there's a clump. Thank God, don't tell me what you see. <laughs> Just tell me they're gone. Hallelujah. But they weren't gone. And so I had to fight that battle. Everybody say, fight that battle. And so what Second Corinthians says, you know, all these things are happening, yet I am, I am I'm knocked down, but I'm getting back up. This I will pass through this. I will get to the other side of this, and when I get to the other side of this, I will be stronger than I was before it happened to me. How, how do you know I was? I don't know, but that's what the word says. No matter what I go through, it will make me greater, not decrease me, because that's the truth of the word. So this is what it says about Job, and this is a leadership Bible uh, translation that, that um, Maxwell wrote, but this is what it says. The first difference separating leaders from followers is perspective. I want to say this to you this year. Stop being a follower of people. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. That makes you a leader, not a follower. Because the people who follow Jesus are leaders. They are always on the cutting edge, like Hezekiah, like Elisha. They know what God is saying, and so they're leading. Turn your neighbor and say, you're a leader. Now, Now, turn back and say, that's the truth. Because I don't know they believed it, but that's what it is word. Both can have character and integrity. Both can love others. Both can obey God. But leaders think differently than followers. Amen? In this church, we are training leaders to follow Jesus. So we are followers, but we are leaders. And what we follow is what we see the, in the word of God. Then it says, Job and his friends held profoundly different perspectives. Throughout the book, Job maintained an eternal perspective. He never said what his wife said. Job, give up and just die. Give up on God and just quit. He continued to cast vision for reality of life beyond the grave. Unlike his wife who told him to curse God and die, unlike his friends who told him none of none of this would have happened had he just lived better. Job saw beyond superficial to the eternal. So what enabled Job to see what God saw? I want you to write down these three things cuz I think they're really good. He renewed his perspective. He clung to the justice and character of God. You know, God he's known by his names, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha. He has names that translate to who he is. He released his past. He was willing to let go of what he had lost. You may be here tonight and you've lost some things. And, and you may never get them back the way they were. But you can change your perspective because there's still good days ahead. Everybody say this. My best days are straight in front of me. He remembered his purpose. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have a purpose. That's why you have to be a leader. That's why you have to be a leader. He realized that he existed only to glorify God. You know, when your perspective is God's perspective, you will be blessed. God will be glorified. Because what you're believing will give glory to God. Even though it looks impossible. Uh, The past three years in my life probably have been the hardest three years I've had in all my ministry years. And I've been in ministry since 1989, so nearly 40 years. And, uh, you know, sometimes you just think, "It it can't get worse than this. How many of you ever thought that? And it did. Yeah. But in that, in that time, God did a work in me that I would rather not have had to walk it the way I did but I wouldn't trade the work that he's done. It's happened many times in my life, in my walk with the Lord. The hardest times have produced the greatest strength in my life. Uh, Have things been the way I wanted them to be at the end of it? No. But I have changed. And the Lord told me last year it would be a year of fulfillment. Uh, And so how many of you have ever had God tell you, This is going to, you know, there's going to be fulfillment. And immediately, what does your mind do? Oh, this is going to happen, and this is all those things that you've been thinking of, they're they're happening. And none of those things happened that I had on that list that I thought God was going to do. But what God said to me was, you have been fulfilled. What I wanted to do in you has been fulfilled. I thought, oh. But then when you really stop and look at it, it means that you're ready for the next thing. You cannot go from glory to glory until you've won in the place you're in. Cannot. You have to get the victory where you are. Doesn't matter what it is in your life. Once you get the victory, you can go to the next level. But if you can't get the victory there, you will not survive the next level. And so I say to you, this is a year, I believe, For us to maintain our eternal perspective and not back down to anything that God has promised us. It says in Galatians 3, and and I believe this happens in the church to Christians, myself and others included. Having begun in the spirit, chapter 3, verse 3. Having begun in the spirit, are you now going to finish this thing in the flesh? The flesh is strong. The flesh, you know, things that we see seem so real. Uh, You know, especially in the day we're living in, what do we have all the time on television? Reality shows. They're saying this is the way it really is. And it really is that way in a lot of people's lives. But the real reality is the eternal reality that we live by. And so our reality is a whole lot different than the world's reality. But we have to stay in the spirit and not go after the flesh so we have to keep an eternal perspective and not a temporal perspective. And some of those things that we've been concerned about never did happen, that we spent a lot of time, wasted a lot of time thinking about, trying to figure out what we'd do if they did happen and they didn't even happen. How many of you have had that in your life? I've, I've done that. So I think in Galatians, this is what I want to pray tonight for everybody here, that we get a revelation of this. Um, it's, in if, it's in Galatians 3. We are not cursed. And I'm going to pray for you tonight that you will have a revelation. The curse was under the law. We are not under the law. We are under grace. And if we allow that thought process of what I see in the natural has authority over me greater than what God has told me, then we're under the curse. We have gotten under the law. We have gotten under a performance spirit and said, if I don't do this, this, and this, and this, and this, then I'm never going to see that. No. If you will see what God sees and do what God says, His grace will be sufficient. And it's because of grace that we receive the blessing. We don't receive the blessings because of our performance, we receive the blessings because of what Jesus did at Calvary. Amen? Let's stand tonight. Father, I pray for every...